welcome everybody back to the Not Shed. We're still out in the void of electronic space, remoting in KJ's in the shed. So he's still true to our original ethos. boy. Hi, KJ. Say hi so that our audio... Hi. Hello, there. hello. That's boy. And RJ's at his home, his palatial estate in the South Slope in Burnaby. RJ, say hi. Hi there. <laughs> and I'm PJ, also in my palatial estate in North Vancouver. If you want to see what this episode looks like, you're going to be able to find it on YouTube, episode 85. Go and have a look. Maybe it's more fun. We're recording this on April 21st. Okay. Yeah. Do that. Anyways, stick with us. It'll be fun. Your call. I don't think anybody really cares too much. I don't think they're watching the video because they want to get, you know, the images much. I think all their eyes are drawn to me, actually. So it might be very distracting for them. <laughs> Look at my head. It's not even moving around. And I'm looking straight at the camera. Hi, everybody. I have kind of a limited supply of eye rolls for any two-hour period. I spent about two-thirds of them already. We're not even started. God, got a headache. Is this it? Is this the beginning of the it, end? It, it seems like every time we want to do this, Skin, you have a headache. Could be. It might be the pressure. <laughs> it's just that I'm tired. <laughs> and it's only ever you that wants to do it, so, you know. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, my friend Patty from over near Oak Street watched, and she said uh, the video actually makes a lot more sense about what everybody's doing, you know, the way she could understand Skinny way better because she could see what he was doing visually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, so you know when... My heart is breaking here. Like, does this mean for 85 episodes nobody's been able to understand me? Oh, God. No, no, no. No, she just... uh, It had to do with... um, I think speed talking and stuff, but it makes more sense when she can see you. It also, the whole conversation makes sense when you make, when you do the roll your eyes thing or tilt your head or something. <laughs> For sure. Cause I mean, he rolls his eyes a lot, right? <laughs> and uh, and if you this? can't see that, you think he's just like, you know, he's just like being polite or whatever. God. You don't realize. I don't know. Well, you can also see your smile just when you said that, Skinny. What is this? What is this? If if we can't see the smile on your face, you shouldn't see we the might smile. think that you should imagine I'm think... scowling angrily. That's what you should do. <laughs> You're looking for weapons, <laughs> right? Now, hop my iPhone at the screen here. I'll teach you guys. And yeah, what about this light? Is this rather death-like? I put the incandescent bulb I had blew out the other day, so I put in those energy savers. And they look like yep. the one that your mom used to have in the laundry room, you know, the big fluorescent bar where you can do surgery. Yeah, our our fluorescence in the utility room went out. And we have the dual long skinny, I'm going to put my hands up here, long skinny tubes. Yeah. They're 48 inches long. Yeah. And they're called T8, I think. It's a more modern version than the old ones were like two inches in diameter, right? Uh, you know, like it was a great big two inch thing. And now they're just skinnier. They're about an inch and a quarter, maybe an inch and a half at most an inch and a quarter. Anyway. So we replaced those and, uh, I had to go through the big long lineup at home Depot, you know, where you drive in and the guys are out of control and they're going, well, give me your order number. And then, uh, the arrows are pointing in the wrong direction. But the next thing you know, you're sitting parked for half an hour and they bring you out your, uh, your two little tubes. Really? That's what they're doing at home Depot now, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it actually works smoother because uh, as we'll hear in a moment, I had to go back there. But anyway, yeah, that doesn't so sound smooth. We put in the uh, two <laughs> tubes and nothing, no lights. So I'm going, oh, it's got to be the ballast, right? Because, you know, I'm that kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the canooter valve. I'm pretty sure the canooter valve has given it up. <laughs> So I managed to get, you know, through the miracle of YouTube videos, which is just like, oh my God, that's great. Like anything you need to do. So there it is. So I took off the little extra piece of metal there and now I can see the ballast, which is, is like a 12 inch long black box. 
like a long skinny black box, ordered the new ballast, you know, headed back to Home Depot. And by then they had a much uh, smoother system running. So where I just parked and I phoned the number and then they actually answered and I told them I'm in, you know, number seven. They said, okay. And 10 minutes later, they brought me out my new ballast. Wow. And they so, just yes. do your card uh, remotely, your visa? Yeah. They, what do they do? They ask to see, they go to the other side. So you got to unroll the window on the other side and then you kind of hold your, your ID up. And then, uh, they charge me, I think when I order. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, so he puts it in the trunk or in, in this case, uh, he put it down on the passenger seat. Wow. So, yeah. So you guys finding, this is a thing. I was laughing with the cashier at save on the other day. I, I went down there. Hadn't been down there in pretty close to a week, if not a week. Got some food and they'd put up the plastic divider things, right? And there's a little sign that says, try not to reach past the sign. Uh, okay. So I put my stuff on the belt and it goes through and it's time to shore my save on more card. And I thought, well, this is where they try not to because, you know, you got to put the card up so she can scan it. And she laughed and she said, no, just put it on here. And she points to part of the screen and just part of the plastic shelter screen thing. And you just put your card up on there and they scan it through this. So I laughed. I said, geez, you know, they tell you to only come every week. But that means every week there's some process or procedure that I, it's new to me. Every week there's something different. She just laughed. She goes, oh, yeah. every." But there is like every week it's some tweak to how they're doing stuff. And the only good news is everybody's in the same boat. Everybody doesn't know. Everybody's bumbling around not knowing what they're doing. But it's always something different. And also, on that note, I'm super happy because at Save On, they've outlawed the use. Plastic bags? Yeah. I don't have to remember to bring my reusable bags because, you know, <laughs> in 100 trips, I remember once. Now, I don't have to even feel bad about it because they're just not allowed anyways. And actually, they're allowed if you just pack your own groceries. Yeah. Um, but... I'm just going to go with they're not allowed because I never remember. So, so I haven't I haven't been off the premises, but uh, RJ, uh, 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 Dilly goes down to Home Depot down here and you go in. You can go in one entrance for one for the garden side of the store and you go in another entrance if you want to get to the main part of the store and you just you stand in line in a lineup. And you go in and you walk around and people are all walking around with their masks on and you, you yep. know. Oh, good. So, but good, because I got to get a cupboard hinge and I don't know exactly what size it is. You know, those kind for kitchen cupboards. I don't know exactly what size and I'm thinking, how many trips am I going to have to make before I get the right one, you know? Yes. So anyway, so I get home. Uh, <laughs> now, now I have to do some electrical work. So I'm highly afraid of shocking myself to death because, you know, I turn off the light switch, but, uh, uncle Mike always told me that, you know, if they wired your switch backwards, turning it off, you'll still electrocute yourself. Um, so anyway, I go downstairs and of course the circuit breakers are not well labeled. A lot of them just say L I T E, you know, <laughs> come on, man. Really? Well, who's you saved your, wait a sec. Who's owned that house for the last 30 years? Just by the by. Well, yeah, but every, every time I identify one, I do hand write in there what it is, but I guess I've never had to turn off the utility. Yeah, room. So it's just been an evolutionary process that you're still angry at the original builders over. That's, <laughs> I am, I am for sure. And I'm, I'm, gonna I'm supposed to be the crank. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to write them a letter. Yeah. Flame, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so anyway, I was quite proud of myself. I did the cutting. I did, I had the wire strippers. You guys use wire strippers. You've used them many, many times. Although I'm sure that you always call an electrician when it needs to be done to code. I always just use an exacto knife. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah. I, I have the wire strippers. Well, I do too, but and, God knows where they are like everything else. Yeah. But anyway, it took me a little while and there was a lot of cursing going on. You know, it was heard by everyone in the house. Well, that must have been novel to hear Sue curse. I mean. But suddenly, <laughs> suddenly it worked. And then also the same kind of thing for, for twisting the wires together. Oh, Moretz. Much, much cursing. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I have the Moretz, but, but you know, like they're hard wires. Oh, yeah. 
And so I would twist and they'd either break or they wouldn't stay together because only one was twisting and the other was staying straight or, you know, so anyway, I got that all figured out. I'm quite pleased with myself. I, I think I might have a new career. Did you tape over them when you were all done? No, I just did use the morettes. Is that not good? Yeah, you know, I think Uncle Mike it's would fine. tell you that you need to tape over those morettes. Really? I thought that an electrician would look at that and go, huh, that's truly an amateur job. Because <laughs> I've never, you look at all the morettes and they they never have tape on them. Well, Moby's shaking his head, so I'm probably wrong. And we'll have to hear from Mike about that. I'm pretty sure, unless I edit this whole section, which I might do. Well, you have... <laughs> You helped me with uh, installing new um, smoke alarms. And didn't tape them. And uh, <laughs> you did not tape them. And you were the one that taught me the word morets. I had to look it up oh. and uh, I was very excited to add a new word to my uh, vocabulary. Yeah, actually, truth is, I don't really know whether you're supposed to. With those hard ones though, with it, when it's not uh, a whole bunch of little sort of filamenty wires in there, with those hard ones, I, f- I A, have trouble getting them the right length, B, have trouble twisting them just as you described. And so C, quite often I'll have a little tiny bit of copper poking out from the bottom of the morette. And you just, oh, and you just, that's where you, yeah. Take. And you just kind of think, I don't think I want to leave that next to these other ones all stuffed into this little cavity here. I know. Yeah, that's so. right. Cause they also, I noticed the wiring there that the electric, we had an electrician install this yeah. about, uh, uh, actually 11 years ago. And I noticed that he had a really good technique for wrapping the wire up. Yeah. You know, he had some kind of coiling technique yeah. and the wire was very, very neat. Yeah. And when I put it in there, it's just like, Ugh, yeah. Ugh, and there's just all these wires and way too many of them. I did try and twist it a bit. And so it helped, but yeah, there, if, if there was any copper showing, I'm sure it would be shorting to something by now yeah, or not. I mean, who knows, but to bring it full circle, the only, uh, we wanted kind of a bluish light because it's the utility room. And just for the same reasons you were saying, you, you want it to look like daylight in there. You want it just to be a harsh light. Why? Because you don't spend time in the utility room. It's not meant to be, oh, this is a pleasant yellow light. It feels, oh, I feel a little sleepy even. No, you want to be <laughs> awake when you're doing your laundry. You don't want to include the colors with the whites. You know, you, so you want the harsh, anyway, you we want to make sure you get all the blood stains out too. Like when you take them oh, out of the wash, you want to make sure those babies are clean. That's right. So we had, before we had 4,500 Kelvin, which is fairly blue. And the only ones I could order were either very warm, which we don't want, or 6,000 Kelvin. <laughs> so yes, when we go in our utility room, it's like, oh my God, it feels like, you know, it's in <laughs> encounters of the whatever yeah, there's, kind. There's you know. no actual noise, but you, you just can't help but imagine a constant humming. You know, it's not doing yeah. it, but you think it is because this light is so bright. There's a massive generator running someplace. Yes. But uh, tell me about the warm, like I thought that lights that were really bright blue were called hot and lights that were orange and incandescent were called cold. Is that not right? I, do I have that backwards? No. Yeah, it's backwards. Okay. Yeah, blue is cold and uh, yellow's hot, kind of like the hot sun. Yeah, because I always, every time that comes up, I'm immediately reminded of my long-term grievance over how bright car lights are these days and how that works and how it's legal and all the rest of it. Um, but we don't, we've, I think we've done that before. We don't need to do that now. We don't, but on a related note, my theory, I have a new theory about why people, uh, don't signal near as much. Uh, and I, I think my theory is that they, they're signaling more often than you think. Why? What do you mean? Well, because there's so poor regulation over headlights now, over lighting that, the car manufacturers in an attempt to have, get a cool look place those signals now anywhere they can be above the light they can be below the light they can be to the right of the light you know if you're behind a car that's usually pretty clear when they're signaling but in front now i've seen situations i'm thinking why the hell are you not signaling and then i go oh they were signaling just couldn't see it because i was kind of looking for the side one and it was actually above it i don't know my, my latest theory, I'm working it. Well, I'm, on the one hand, I'm glad to feel all validated by your remark that the headlight brightness is so poorly regulated because that's my beef. I just want to know 
what is the regulation on that? Because they're just as bright as the sun. As far as the turn signal goes, I don't know 100%, but I'd, I'd probably go a few bucks that as long as it's visible from the front, it can be anywhere. Because remember, they used to be mounted on the fenders. Uh, on trucks, yep. they're still mounted on the fenders. Uh, up, down, in, out, sideways, they probably have to be some certain minimum amount of brightness, but it's probably some vague term like visible from 50 meters or something like that. You know, 50 meters bracket in the dead of night on a perfectly clear day or something. I, I, I don't know either. But I don't yeah. think they're required to be positioned anywhere really specific related relative to the headlight, I don't think. I'll tell you one thing, though. You see, you see remarks in social media and stuff, and you see behaviors on the road where, because traffic has been really relaxed for the last month or so, people are sort of starting to lose the plot a little bit. There's a lot of not signaling, and there's a lot of not stopping going on, because there's so little traffic that it's just like, oh, just go. Oh, people are driving very fast out there. Yeah. That like when too. I go to pick up Tuke, it's like I go 10K over the limit and I'm usually about average, but I'm getting passed by people just left and yeah. right. Same, same. I just got back from Port Coquitlam and it's the same. Highway 1 at 100 clicks, you better be over in that slow lane because that is not fat. It never really is, but it's pretty noticeable. Yeah. The other thing I think that will happen is cyclists. There's going to be a terrible toll taken on cyclists when traffic finally comes back to normal because... You go for a ride and usually you have to push the button, you know, the big button, they call it, to to stop traffic, to get through. You don't have to do that anymore. You can cross any street, Nanaimo, Hastings, middle of the day, whatever. Just wait for three seconds and there's usually a big break in the traffic. You just ride through. Once traffic resumes, I think a bunch of cyclists are going to get smoked because A, they misjudge traffic and B, motorists are not used to having to look because... There's so much more space right now. That's true. And also, usually people are out on their own now. And with Sue and I, we were usually driving by ourselves, like she's off on an errand right now. And um, when Sue and I are together in the car, usually while I'm driving, she operates the right door to take out the cyclist. <laughs> right? I just, and now it took me all that time a lot of that. <laughs> to land that joke. Jeez. <laughs> Holy Dinah. Attaboy, too big of an investment. Yeah, that was that was a big one, gentlemen. Let's go to um, when traffic resumes, if we could. What what do you think that is, Skinny? Why do you why do you think traffic is going to resume? Hello. Oh, oh I'm when here. Or I why? Just, uh, yeah, I'm. Mean, n- n- th- no, I'm. I'm actually thinking. Will it? I don't think that it will. How, why would it resume? Where is everybody going? Well, I yeah. So there's a whole. There's a bunch of editorial buried under that question. So I guess you're <laughs> assuming or believing that way more people will work from home, way more people will be cycling or taking mass transit than they were prior to all this disruption. Is that kind of... Well, they still got to be going somewhere, right? Well, it, Where are they going? Work, largely work. Just the same as what they're doing at rush hour prior to all of this is they were going to work. Um, yeah, but you know, that that's not going to happen anymore, though. You're going to have to how you know have the work. Everything's going to be cut in half just because of social distancing. Assuming there's never ever a vaccine, yeah. Well, let's we're talking uh, even with a vaccine. There's going to be um, Canuck games. Oh, I think as soon as yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's Canucks games before the vaccine. If they can ever get tested, testing sorted out. I mean, the pressure to resume uh, semi-normal business practice is pretty intense right now. Like it's, everybody's getting hosed. Uh, The government's funding me and they can't just keep doing it forever. So if they could get testing sorted out so they had a reasonable chance of understanding who should and should not be out in the world, I think there'll be a lot of pressure to get going again. Uh, I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying I think there will be an enormous amount of pressure. Well, you got to then that means that you, if you're tested and you trust the test and everything, you got to trust that everybody else has, has, is being honest about what they're doing. How, yeah. how do you, how, how does that, yeah, how does it's that the, work? Same, same thing would pertain to vaccination though, right? You, you have a little mark on your forehead? Well, no, but I mean, you just have to trust that if somebody says they're, yeah, I mean, we could go with that, brand them. 
but it, you have to right. trust that if somebody says they've been vaccinated, they've been vaccinated. Because uh, otherwise, and if, with a vaccine, it's different though, because you can protect yourself. If you've been vaccinated, you know you're good and you don't have to give a rat's about anybody else. With testing, yeah, there's a there's a level of trust required uh, that may not be warranted or, or may not be achievable. And, and do we think that, that uh, a vaccination is the same as if you had the virus and got through it and you're immune? I think so. Is that, I think, isn't that how vaccines normally work? Well, I'm not sure because I know there's people that are getting it twice after uh, having no, it I, once. I think you're thinking about testing. No, no, no. no. They're actually so, getting the virus twice. Yes, but, yeah. but they haven't been vaccinated against it. So it's not a question of a vaccination right, but, failing. It's a question of whether or not the test that they originally got and the test that said they were clear were accurate. Well, no, they've gone, they go through the whole horrible fever coughing yeah. business and come out the other end. Yeah. And then I'm sure their doctor would say to them, well, now that you've gone through it, you're immune. They, but they test. Like once you've been all through it, I think what they do is they test to make sure you are through it before you are discharged. And the test, at least in South Korea, what's going on is they're coming up with people that are sick again, and they've been tested as negative after having had the virus. They get through it, they get tested, they get discharged, and they're getting it again. So the question becomes, was the test okay? Or does this thing change in such a way that you can't develop antibodies for it? Because if it's that last one, the traffic will never come back, right? Um, well, that's what I maybe I think is a little bit of what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think for myself, I'm really, really hoping that the testing is flawed as opposed to the virus is mutating at a rate that it would allow somebody to get it twice in spite of having developed antibodies for it. Uh, well, I'm just, I, I'm just, just from the stuff that I'm getting now, it's there like two years is a little bit more solid than, yeah. Than what I would have thought uh, yeah, they're, they're, a week ago. They're pretty emphatic about it'll take a really long time to get a vaccine. No question about it. And I mean, and if another one of these things comes up while we're still working on the vaccine for the first one, you know. Lord help us. We're cooked. If we're not cooked already. But yeah, at some point you would think. The trouble with the traffic thing, to circle all the way back to that, is I think the resumption of normal behavior will be so slow that everybody will have a lot of chance to adapt back to heavier traffic, right? It'll, it'll, they won't just one day say, okay, lights on, showtime, and everybody just goes. <laughs> Although, you know, Sweden might say differently and some states might say differently. Hey, yeah. I've been uh, guilty here of uh, carrying on an offline conversation. I mean, I have found uh, what you guys have been saying has been fascinating to me. Huh? But uh, Glenn from Oak Bay asked me, he didn't know we were having a session right now. He asked me, because I've listened to every single Beatle album made uh, over the course of a three, four day period there about a week ago now. Um, all the mainstream Beatle albums, none of the bootlegs or anything like that. Uh, and his question was, what was my favorite? And, uh, my answer was, I can't choose a favorite, but I have a top four. So I guess I want to ask you guys, favorite Beatles album. Oof. Skin, I have a guess of yours. Go ahead. The White Album. Yeah, that's a pretty good guess. That, that's, that I think is my number one, although Revolver is way up there and actually Rubber Soul is way up there too. Those are amazing, those two, yeah. because they're kind of like in that magical period when they stopped being yeah. a beetle, yeah. the beetle bops. Yeah, you know? they're making the move right in there somewhere. And some of it is just the most AM poppy stuff. And some of it is like, oh, this is where the doors got it. <laughs> you know, like they're out there. I think probably for me, it's the White Album. KJ? Uh, no comment. Oh, come Yeah, so... On. So KJ, I'm I'm just thinking now because I've never really uh, talked to you about this. You're not necessarily a huge Beatles fan, is that fair? Oh yes, I am. Yep. Okay. And um, yet you cannot like. Do you even? I don't know. Talk? I don't know the albums that well. Like probably, probably the album that I know the best is Hey Jude. 
Yes. Was that an album? Yes, it was, wasn't it? Yes, it was released as an album in Canada and the U.S. Um, it was There was an album called Hey Jude, Mike had it. Um, it was not one of the UK releases, and I've aligned to the UK releases now, so I have that. That's my collection on on iTunes. Uh-huh. Um, so I I no longer remember like Old Brown Shoe is on that album, but Old Brown Shoe was on the Hey Jude single as well. That was the release. So I can't remember everything on that album. And to be to be yeah. fair, Mob, I I don't either. Like, there's a whole bunch I just don't remember. But if you ask me today, based on the tatters of my memories, that's what I'd say. But there, there's a bunch that I don't remember very well. And there's songs scattered across other albums that I think are just absolutely top rate that I would miss out if I, I just, mm. you know, I just like. Well, I loved, uh, I loved Sergeant Pepper. It was the first one I listened to a lot other than the singles because Rob brought it home. I asked Rob recently, how did you afford all those albums? Because he always had music. I'm going, where'd that money come from? He said, well, I used to mow lawns. I'm going, I did not know that. I'm just sitting at home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> money. It's like the Dougie McKay story. Doug, Doug of Rossland, I don't know where he's from now. He had a paper route. And he had this super nice bike. And I just thought, he delivers all those papers. Then I took over his route while he was on vacation. Not worth it. That bike, not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> just day after day rain sleet hail dog barking dogs flat tires he's out there delivering the paper not worth it i think magical mystery tour is a fantastic album it's not necessarily people's favorites but oh my god it's got a no a day in the life is the last on sergeant pepper but the last song on magical mystery tour is fantastic i'm ashamed to say i can't remember what it's called right now I'm just going to look it up real time, if you guys don't mind. Hey, here's a question for you while we wait for RJ. KJ? Yes, sir. Do we have to aspire to the crane shot anymore? Are crane shots now over? No. Because drones have taken over and they're so much cheaper? Oh, yeah, yes, perhaps. But, well, for a little while anyway... Some guys don't have drones, but although they seem to be everywhere now in what I'm watching. <laughs> like if you buy a super top-end drone that's really stable and everything else, it's still got to be way cheaper than a crane. crane yes, shot. yeah, especially these days. Yeah. I wondered about that. Also, I was driving home today and I was thinking, does anything ever end up on the cutting room floor anymore? Like, do they still film oh, on film or do they film digitally? No, all digitally, yeah. So there's digital, really not digital, pieces digital. of film ending up on an editing room floor anymore. Is that right? No, unless you're, I don't know, Scorsese might do that. I, I don't know if some people, probably not though. It's way more efficient to not do that. That's what I would probably yeah. Probably a better product too, yeah. I would think. That's but. what I was thinking. I just thought, And all of it was leading down some path we've been before about obsolete expressions or expressions that, you know, oh, that identify you as an ancient person. And cutting room floor is probably now one of them. Yeah, um, yeah. And we worship you, O'Crane, is probably now one of them, although I'm never going to let that go. Uh, I'm always going to say, we worship you, O'Crane. And I just wondered. Yeah, I guess the track I'm thinking of is I Am the Walrus. Oh. That's the only. The walrus. You know, kind of a, a long, drawn out track that has many different parts. They, they seem to have like one of those, at least one on every album. And that's, that's the one on uh, magical mystery tour. And then the other modern ones, the white album and Abbey road are, are both amazing albums. Yeah. So, there's anyway, there's that's, so, that's all I got. there's so many, like it is hard to pick one. And I'm pretty sure I only picked white album cause it was the same as you. It came into the house at Christmas. I think my brother, Sam gave it to my other brother, Tim, and it got played a lot. And, uh, that's one of the reasons I really like it, but I got to say revolution on there. I just love the way that thing opens. Just love it. I that's another one I'm never going to let go of. Is the way it. Yeah. Were you already familiar with the the regular revolution? No, no, not at all. I just really like and and over the passage of all those decades, that's only gotten better. The way that thing opens is just more emphatic now than it was when I was 13 years old. You know, like, I just yeah. really love it. Uh, one of them says, uh, a tick two <laughs> when it's just starting, right? Oh. 
Was Revolution on the on the uh, flip side of Hey Jude the single? Uh, geez, that's what I was going to say. I, don't I thought know. that it was, yeah. Although I was saying Old Brown Shoe was now, so I don't know. So let's see. Uh, Revolution, Beatles. Big drum roll. Here we are. Mm, very exciting, isn't it? Three versions of the song were recorded and released in 1968. All during the sessions for the White Album. The slow, bluesy arrangement, that's the one you're talking about, Skin, Revolution 1. The abstract sound collage that Lennon and Yoko did called Revolution 9. And uh, the hard, the faster hard rock version released as, Moby, you're correct, the B-side of Hey Jude. Wow. You got it. Sometime later, obviously, right? Oh, I did not realize the single version was issued first. I knew that because I was already familiar with it before the White Album came out. But it was recorded after the White Album version. I did not know that. Every day something else. (laughs) Every day. They're both fantastic. I I actually like Revolution Number no. 9 a lot, and that's probably people's least favorite Beatles track ever, right? It's up there. Uh, honestly, Yellow Submarine is way up near the top of my least favorite Beatles tracks. I just don't like it. And boy, I know that's heresy. That's a really... It's, well, I don't know. Oh. It's, that's, it's a Ringo tune, isn't it? Yeah, not? Ringo... Love Ringo. Ringo, wherever you are, shout out. Love your work, man. But, yeah, that one, not so much. When I heard the track called The End, which is the second to last track on the White Album, and um, I heard, once again, I heard Ringo's drum, drum solo. And I thought, okay, so this was the only time Ringo ever did a drum solo on a Beatles song. And it was on the song called The End. I wonder. I found myself wondering, well, Maybe Ringo said, hey, we're about to break up. Can I at least have one drum solo? <laughs> and why not put it on the track called The End, you know? Oh, geez, I wonder. I don't know. He was, he's a great drummer, though. I've, I've I think so, just too. I love the way he does his stuff. I think the general consensus is not necessarily a technical, you know, pyrotechnic drummer. No, like, no but rock, Just rock, a great steady. feel. Yeah. A really nice feel for for what would be right, what would be the right thing. There's I did listen to um, who was their producer, Peter Martin. What what's the the George, orchestra? George, George Martin. Martin. His version of um, the symphonic version of Yellow Submarine I uh, became rather familiar with. Oh. Yes, yes, I had that album, the Yellow Submarine album. It has one entire side as the symphonic soundtrack to the movie. Oh, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's, it, I actually loved that album. It was one of the few that I bought for myself because Rob always had one, so I never had to buy one. (laughs) And so I thought it was fantastic, but it's kind of, many consider it the worst Beatles album ever, I guess, for a number (laughs) of reasons, but I I like it. And I like the regular Beatles side too. Yeah. Like Hey Bulldog. It's a great song. Don't know that one. At least I don't think I know it. I don't. This is what I was saying earlier, the same as you, Mob. I just, there's a bunch of them I just don't remember. When I hear them, I say, oh, that one, yeah. But if you just tell me the title lots of times, I won't remember. Well, maybe uh, I'll do some practice before our next Skype session. I'll bet you you can play DJ. I'll bet you can play a song and have it run through the uh, Oh, I bet you can. uh, I bet you can. That would be the last advantage that the uh, podcast version holds, is the ability to add music. The video is just us. I would have Hey Bulldog in there and we'd get a cease and desist order and I would frame it up on my wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> be pretty Just remove the content because you got what you wanted. The trophies on the wall. That's a fun idea. Hey, speaking of that, last time I looked on the wall trophies, I think there was 41 views. It was about, I woke about two weeks ago, but 41 views on the video. So there you go. Somebody's watching it. Yeah, I was trying to learn what a view is, and I haven't quite figured it out. Yeah, I wondered. I've wondered about that, but never even spent a moment trying to actually find out. Like, I mean, I kept I kept hitting refresh forty two times. And <laughs> I don't know. If... <laughs> well, I think I you said I did look into that once long ago with the it was the toilet video, the yeah. wall toilet repair you, video, and I you got up to like a thousand views or something. Oh, we got up close. to way more than that it was like mm. 7500 or something like that because mm. some guy in germany an actual plumber 
linked it to yeah, from his yeah. site. And so I got a whole bunch of views from Europe because those things are way more common in Europe than they are here too. I never made 10,000 though. And besides, even if I had, they changed the rules just before I got there. 10,000 used to be the threshold for where you actually could receive revenue for your YouTube video. Yeah. They changed it to 25,000 when I was at about 8,500 or something like that. They saw you coming. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Bastards. All right. What do we got for today anyway? Um, I wanted to talk about unsalted and salted butter, but apparently that wasn't really a topic. So let's do it. Okay. Did you get unsalted butter and why? Why does anybody get unsalted butter? Uh, Lots of recipes call for it. And uh, those are recipes where the ingredients are already too salty or salty enough. And then because really... That's all it is. I mean, you could take unsalted butter and add some salt and you're back where you started. So yeah, that's all. Okay. A lot of time, a lot of time cakes will ask for it. Baked suet cake yesterday and uh, it asked for unsalted butter and then it made me add a quarter teaspoon of salt. So (laughs) whatever. I don't know. Well, here's one for you. Uh, Not really related at all. I don't think or know whether either of you is familiar with Land of the Lakes, Land of the Lakes actually, butter. Yeah, it's an American one. It's got a picture of a uh, a native Indian woman on the cover. Not any Hiawatha yep, type. Not anymore. They finally they took it off. Right? They re- why? Because it was offensive to indigenous why? people. Because it's a caricature. It's not a real picture of a real person, and it's being yeah. Anyways, they took it off, and there's just this big storm on social media of people mourning the passing of the land of the lakes. <laughs> I've been there for a hundred years. Uh. And yet, you know, all, all this other horrible stuff, some kid gets shot in Winnipeg and there's no mention really of that. There's a couple of remarks and nothing else, but you So what tells you that it's a caricature? Uh, the, the reaction of indigenous people in social media by and large, uh-huh. uh, an indigenous right. guy actually redid that art in, I think the fifties or sixties. So there was actually a person involved in it uh, at some point. But I just think they don't like the idea. It's a mascot type thing, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same reason the Chicago Blackhawks logo is offensive. It's an Indian guy, an Iroquois guy, probably. And it's kind of offensive because it's an appropriation issue. They feel that it's yeah. a, an appropriation issue. So I, so, I just thought know, it like was funny Colum- that it created a big storm on social media. Oh. Okay, so let's look at Columbia Pictures, for example. When, you know, the, when the movie starts... There's that woman standing up. I think she's holding a torch yeah. up. And uh, is that somehow appropriating or what? Like, is is that a caricature? No, no. It's. Um, I think it was a takeaway from the Statue of Liberty. And I think they eventually got rid of it because her robe, the way she holds a robe was varying all over the place. And I think they finally got rid of her. I think. No, maybe. Uh, I don't think so. No, they still use I her? I don't think so. I, I yeah, I think so. And she died uh, in the poorhouse. <laughs> she made like $25 for the session. Oh, really? And not uh, a penny more. Huh. I always find that so bizarre. Like a multi-billion dollar corporation, they could throw 100000 her way and get huge press out of it. Yeah. I just don't get it. Yeah. When was that? What year was that made? It It looks like it's the 1930s to me, but I don't know. That's what I think too, but I don't know either. And I don't know whether they might have redone it later on. Who knows? That kind of thing. 25 bucks was a lot of money back then, Rich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like 2,500 or 25,000 now, you know, big deal. Still not. Well, I think it's like a 2 million. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and there's another fun one. It's, uh, I've, I want to know, boys, I want to know. Where do I go to pick up the oil that somebody will pay me to take away in Alberta? Where do I go for that? Oh, yeah. Oil prices went negative for Alberta oil. Yes. So I presume that means if I go there and get it, somebody will pay me to take it away. And I just want to know where that is. Because what I'm going to do, this is your next billion dollar idea. Get a big semi truck, go pick up all that oil and get paid for it, and then dump it in an abandoned well. Because we're paying a whole bunch of guys money to clean up those abandoned wells anyway, so... It's a win-win. <laughs> no? <laughs> nice. 
Well, I guess I'd understand if you had like your oil burning furnace, you know, some people still have those. <laughs> Just, but not from Alberta though, right? That negative, that negative pricing, it is pretty bizarre, isn't it? It is really bizarre. I don't have any idea how that works. Like I really just, if you try buying oil futures right now, I I just, I don't, how does that work? Nobody's going to pay you to take their oil futures off their hands, are they? Or maybe they are. I think so. No. I, I think if you're sitting with these massively filled containers of oil or like, I don't know where it's held up in the system, but maybe you need to clear out those tubs so you can put some other fluid. I don't really know. No, that's exactly right. In where are they all in? They end up mostly in New Orleans, right? Aren't the biggest, most refineries in North America in New Orleans? Sounds about right. So like all the Canadian crude going down whatever, I mean, there are pipelines already going down there. They just nixed one. But they all go and they fill up these containers, these great big round things down there, right? Now, when they're full, I assume that they have to stop the pipeline. They just have to stop it. But nobody's going to be giving oil away. They'll just wait till the prices come back up. Yeah. But what is... And so all these... Ultimately, there's a bunch of ships as well just sitting offshore and they could be doing other stuff, but they're going to, they're stuck. They've got a belly full of oil somewhere in that whole process. Somebody's going, will you please, I will pay you well, this is the, to take this, this is the thing. This is what I want to get at. Who, who pays that negative price for a barrel of oil? I just don't, it's so weird. Yeah, I've th- never heard anything mm-hmm. like that. Well, I think those prices are like at the beginning of the chain, the wells. Yeah. So when they say a price per barrel, that's got to be the wells, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, or maybe the first level of collection where the wells are all put to these big steel containers that are holding oil. Maybe that's your price per barrel there, but I don't think it's a price per, you know, refined, refined oil. I just don't know. I think you're right. I think it is per barrel of crude, but yes. I don't really still the same question though. It's like, what does it mean when it's a negative price? Like the only thing I can think of is futures as opposed to yeah. current stocks. But even it's, a current it's all stock, money. It's a yeah. Even a current stock is sort of a future if it's crude, because no profits then, realized until the whole thing's processed. I guess. So what do you think about the 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 container ship that's full, wanting to get rid of it? But what are you going to use that container ship for once it's empty? What would it move? Wheat. yeah like you gotta imagine that after a thorough cleaning yeah exactly (laughs) into into english bay or wherever right like they clean those things out and they repurpose i don't know if they ever repurpose oil tankers so do they i I just have no idea i wouldn't think so i don't know uh i don't know unless they can take a bunch of containers on the top top side side maybe they can take other forms like instead of heavy crude they can take light or they can take Oh, maybe. I don't know. I I have no like, idea about how. Yeah, works. it's like you can put a little bit of ten forty into your <laughs> exactly into your oil, <laughs> exactly. even if it's not quite what you it calls for. You can get away with yeah, it. Yeah, because you know, I'm sure when they pump it out of those ships, they have all kinds of stuff that takes water out of it and everything else. So they probably have stuff that takes out the remaining heavy crude that was down the bottom uh, when they filled it up with light crude uh, or wheat. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the idea that somebody's going, oh, we could just clean that out. It'll be good. It'll be good. You just fill it up with foodstuffs or something. Oh, boy. All right. What do we got, guys? I don't know. I don't know. What's on the list? Oh, well, we got the one issue per visit. An old favorite topic uh, that we've had over time is... uh, you know, uh, the doctor's offices and how some doctors insist that you only have one issue for each visit. Yes. Well, uh, I found the page from the college of physicians and surgeons that's meant for doctors to read about this whole one issue per visit. Is and this a particular British Columbia or is Canadian probably, this right? This is the British Columbia. Yeah. Okay. Cause I looked at the Ontario one back there somewhere. Yeah. And the British Columbian one says, physicians have a professional 
ethical and legal obligation to provide appropriate medical care to each and every patient, irrespective of the setting in which they work and regardless of the amount of time that may take. Patients are not medically trained. It is not realistic or acceptable from a clinical practice perspective to expect patients to be able to identify the one problem deserving of priority management. Eliciting a list of presenting complaints and triaging accordingly is foundational to all of medicine. It is how all patient encounters must begin. So when your doctor tells you, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, and quite honestly, I think it's the office manager that's more into it than the doctor, you got to have that paragraph. Maybe get it printed on a card, you know, and whip it out, shove it in their face and say, look, this is from your own college of physicians and surgeons. Don't expect me to know which of these eight symptoms I'm bringing to you today. And by the way, have I told you about my bursitis yet? (laughs) And my toe hurts as well. And I'm worried it might be gout. Yeah. So have a word with that monster at your front desk because I'm tired of fighting this fight with them before I come and see you. But I I mean, it would be easy enough to just say, well, I know you came to see me about uh, your knee, but your toe, you've got gout. So we'll deal with that. And you can come back another day to get your, you can come back another. So you, you have their job. You have the, yeah, but you have the latitude to only get one issue per visit as long as the other ones are not really super urgent. If somebody comes with three yeah. things that could kill them, I think you'd be in, in trouble if you sent them away after only looking at one. But if they come with the usual kind of garden variety aches and pains complaint, I think you're just fine to treat one and ask them to make another appointment for the others. I think that's how they do the one visit thing. Yeah, well, I think so. I think that's fair, though. Eh, yes and no. But but know. but if, if some things really need attention, then they can choose to... Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, when we've gone down this street before, we've talked about billing, how billing works, which would have a lot to do with what I would expect them to do, you know? Like if, if you can sit in there for half an hour and go through your three garden variety complaints and they get three billings out of it, then good. Everybody's happy. But I don't know if that can be done. I don't know. Well, clearly there's a recommendation to them to to triage, decide what's important and deal with it. And I think that's fair enough. I do too. It's just that it doesn't really address the question of whether or not you can only get one thing looked at per visit. Oh, it does. It says that you have to get as many things as needed. Now, now is it only one thing if it's important? Sure. I agree with what you're saying. Like if you bring in 10 things and nine of them are not immediately important, that's fine. Then it is one thing, but but they have to deal with as many things as they need to, to get rid of important things says right there. Yeah, it's just that. And also says that you need to take as long as you need to take. <laughs> That's what it says. I get it's you. Right there. But none of that stops me as an evil doctor from just hustling, scranny out of that office. Look, you got your bunion treated. Come back about your back. You're done. I'm finished with <laughs> oh, you. What, what percentage of doctors would you say are evil there, Skin? Not very many. Yeah, like I say, so the two doctors I've dealt with in the last 10 years... One of them once or twice did the one issue per visit thing and the other one just clearly didn't care. He mm. was all good. Now, the other one is no longer yeah. in that office. I don't know where he went, but he he just didn't care. If you had three things, he'd talk to you about three things. And my regular doctor has relaxed his attitude about that quite a bit. Well, I think the doctors are suffering right now. We actually got a call from uh, my doctor just reminding us Sue took the call. I wasn't home, I guess, or I don't know where I was, but he was just reminding us that he does telephone um, that's a, sessions. That's a silver lining to this whole deal is the rise of, of video appointments. I really think that's a good thing. Yeah, it was just starting to take off in BC, but apparently it was uh, not really taking off in some other parts of Canada. So this is uh, really telling people, hey, that's a... It's a good way to do it. A lot of the, a lot of like Sue called her doctor about something and she got the prescription all set up and everything. And, and, uh, it's just exactly, it's great service. Yeah. And it's just got to work better for office scheduling too. It just has to office scheduling. And, and my doctor, again, those two guys, the guy who didn't care and would do multiple issues, you were always in his office within five or 10 minutes of your appointed time. He was only ever five or 10 minutes behind. 
the guy who was my original doctor and is still there is never less than 45 minutes behind. Mm. If, never less. Mine is almost always on time. I've, I don't recall any time where I had to wait more than 10 or 15 minutes. They're super efficient. Yeah. I, I don't know what causes it or anything. I really do like my doctor, obviously, or I wouldn't keep going back with that kind of wait time. But yeah. that's his number one drawback is his office management stuff is terrible. Do they use the Disneyland lineup technique? <laughs> you know, it's where they go, oh, we can, uh, uh, Pat, Pat, Mr. Lilburn. Oh, yeah. And then have uh, a seat they, in the examination room. I take a little right. nap if you need to, because it's going to be a while. No, right. they. What the last time I did sit in there for, I did sit in there for about ten or fifteen minutes. I had that cough that wouldn't go away, and I sat there for mm. quite a while before he came in. So yes, they do. I guess is the answer. I never, I never identified it as the Disneyland lineup management. That's another fun thing with this whole deal is lineup management. Wow, there's <laughs> there's some approaches out there, isn't there? Like the Costco's, they got some crazy lineup management stuff happening at Costco's. Like the one in Willingdon, they just go around the building. My friend Howard, Howard of Deep Cove, was there on Seniors Day last Friday, and the lineup went all the way around the building plus. Like it was overlapped as it came around, and that was about a 45-minute wait. So that's how they do it. The Costco in Port Coquitlam, they've dedicated a great big chunk of their parking lot to this serpentine lineup thing that just winds and winds. And there's tape and and the Costco in Richmond that I rode by the other day, same thing. There's a big chunk of their parking lot just given over to lineup management. <laughs> this is big. And Costco, Costco parking lots are notoriously overfilled yeah, anyway, yeah. so it must be even worse now. Yeah, so I think it's all just with a view to managing the number of people that are in the store. Like, fewer people can park, fewer people get in the lineup, fewer people in the store. Because once you're finally yeah. in the store, I can't remember if I've mentioned this, and I'm being generous with myself by saying mentioned rather than complained. Because once you're in the store... I swear, two weeks from now, they're going to have cattle prods in there. Because right now, they have people with signs, and they yell at you. Keep moving. Keep moving in here. Don't stop. No cell phones in this part of the store. We just keep moving. Just grab and go. Just keep going. And I just, oh, I just want to hit. I've stopped going to Costco if I can avoid it, because that just drives me insane, being shivvied through there like that. Yeah. And it's funny, like. Uh, we're so different you and I in many ways and that I would be just so happy that they're doing that <laughs> just so happy and when I think about it even moderately rationally it totally makes sense like they've got to get if I don't want to be out in that parking lot lineup for an hour and 15 minutes they got to keep shivying people through like yeah. that yeah. and if exactly. you don't know what you want when you go in there that's on you I understand all that yeah. but in the moment my emotional reaction is one more peep out of you, or I'm going to take that sign and break it right over your head. I'm just. <laughs> There's so many ways to divide the people in the world, and yeah. one way to divide them is rules followers versus you know outlaws. It's and just... the, the rules followers just love it when like like when I see a couple shopping in the store. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking, who did not tell you? Yeah. Only one person come in, yeah. please. Yeah. And I, you know, I saw the guy. He's choosing the meats, and the woman standing back giving him advice. So, uh, KJ, that looks like a crispy cookie. Is that fair? Crispy no. and soft at the same time? Soft. Soft, yeah. Okay. They were, they're were they just uh, oatmeal raisin chocolate chip, but they uh, I don't know if I put in too much shortening or whatever, but they just melted instead of kind of... I made... This is my second batch. I'm turning into a little baker. Delish, though. Nice. Well, you can't find flour and yeast in the stores because everybody's baking bread. You know, it's like panic buying and now everybody's got enough supplies to bake bread into the next century if they need to i know what's the deal with that like i needed to make some frosting for the cake yesterday they're completely out of icing sugar does this mean that people are going oh man i'm gonna i I won't be able to make cakes for a long long time i better get all the icing sugar it's time i looked at mom's recipe book again i miss mom now i've got time to actually learn the things she was trying to teach me I'm going to get out a recipe book and I'm going to, st- honest, to, like, it's unbelievable the number of people that are break, baking bread. Just, and I'm sure everything else too. So this recipe called for 16 ounces of icing sugar, one pound. 
And uh, I always put in 12 ounces just because I think, why make it ridiculously sweet? The cake's already sweet. But I didn't have 12 ounces. I had like maybe eight ounces. So I go to the store and they're out of icing sugar. I go again and they're still out of icing sugar. So I go, hmm, look at that. There's berry sugar there. And I look at the fine print and it says berry sugar, ultra fine. So I'm going, okay, well, at least it'll be much finer than normal granulated table sugar. So I buy the berry sugar and it's really obvious that it's granulated. Like berry sugar looks like normal sugar, except for the crystals are finer. Whereas icing sugar looks like a powder. And so anyway, I did like eight ounces of icing sugar, four ounces of berry sugar. And sure enough, when you eat the icing, it's crunch, crunch. (laughs) (laughs) And I could have really, I think I could have just made some simple syrup or I even have simple syrup on hand for, which is just sugar and water. You know, and it's heated up enough that the sugar gets into suspension. And I'll I'll bet you I could have just figured out the right amount of uh, simple syrup to add, and it would have been fine. What about just a mortar and a pestle, and you just grind up that granulated stuff? I thought that's where he was going for sure. I thought we were (laughs) going to hear about mortar and pestle, and I was just getting ready for the eye roll of the century. But Yeah, I I have a little uh, mortar and pestle, but I don't know if it's proper to call it a mortar. By the way, which is the uh, mortar and which is the pestle? Mortar is the usually the bowl or and in fact a flat thing, and the pestle yeah. is the pounding instrument that you use to smash whatever it is. That's what I would have thought, but you know I've never had that verified. Well, I don't know if hearing it from me counts as verified or not. That's because if you think about it, if you have a mortar like that uh, fires rockets. It's shaped kind of like a pestle, isn't it? Well, you think about mortar boards that kids wear at school. <laughs> mortar boards, that's the way to remember it. Oh, okay. All right, then. There you go. Although, what is a mortar board skin? Although a mortar board might be, you know, when you're a bricklayer and you're using mortar to lay bricks, you put it on a flat board, just like those hats that they wear at graduation. Uh, so I don't know where mortar board... That design for graduation hats, I have no idea what it's supposed to signify at all. Just, I don't know. But anyways, that's how I remember which is which. The pestle is the pounding thing and the mortar is whatever else. It just looks like a stone bowl to me, but. Have you ever heard anyone refer, like use the term pestle without using the term mortar? Only when they're talking about trying to find it because they want to grind something. Well, I got the stupid cup, but I can't find the pestle. You know, you hear that every now and then, but. Pestle, a heavy tool with a rounded end used for crushing and grinding substances such as spices or drugs or granulated sugar. Well, thanks for that, but I'm not too sure we were in that much doubt. Oh, this is verifying what I told you. Oh, okay. (laughs) Typically in a mortar, it says. Okay. Well, look up mortar, yeah. And here's something for you guys. Uh, If you want, you can use the word pestle as a verb. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I'm going to pestle that granulated That's sugar. That's right. I'm sick of these stupid grains. I'm going to pestle them into powder. <laughs> See how far that gets you in your next social engagement. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff I end up doing all the time. Use expressions like that that you just know that's just not going to fly. That's going to go over like a lead balloon. Just do it anyways because it's fun. You know what my latest way to waste your time on YouTube? Look at guys, there's this series on BBC TV called, I believe it's uh, The Time Team. And they go and they spend three days at various sites all over Britain doing archaeology. You know, secrets of Stonehenge. And they go dig up around Stonehenge and find artifacts. And they find where the Druids on Anglesey Island were. And they find, you know, this was the Roman fort, but where's the Vicus or the city that always lies outside the fort that depends on and services it it's just a fun thing and there's a lot of them so you can just watch these guys digging stuff up it's pretty fun it's better than the start up a heavy diesel videos it's it's more fun than those (laughs) okay well we'll be looking for a link that i can add to the show notes for that oh okay sure yeah yeah i'll do that no i will i'll just need to be reminded several times that's all That's all we have for this week. We're exhausted. 
Rich is going to try to edit this somehow in video and I'll do it on audio. We hope you had fun. We certainly did. If there's anything that we went through that is of concern, interest, in error that you want to add to or praise us for or praise us for, make sure you do it. There's all those ways to get to us that we normally talk about. We'd love to hear from you no matter what's on your mind. Even if you just want to tell us how you're doing in this Corona world, we'd love to hear from you. Until we do hear from you, until we see you again at our next one, make sure you take care of yourselves and those around you, and we'll talk soon. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.